Hello and welcome to The Entrepreneurs on Monocle Radio, the show all about inspiring people, innovative companies and fresh ideas in global business. On today's programme, we meet the founder of a food startup that took the world by storm by transforming carb-heavy favourites into healthier alternatives and secured a record-breaking pre-seed funding round. We started with the Better Bagel because it's the most carb-heavy food. And what better way to showcase this innovation than by transforming a bagel into the net carb equivalent of two slices of banana. That's coming up on The Entrepreneurs with me, Tom Edwards. You're listening to The Entrepreneurs. Amy Yang is the founder and CEO of Better Brand, a food startup dedicated to creating healthier alternatives to carb-heavy foods through their innovative grain-changing technology. Having previously worked in consulting, operations and litigation, Amy founded Better Brand in 2021, inspired by her deep interest in eating more healthily. Through her leadership, Better Brand became the first American female-founded company in consumer food tech to raise over a million dollars in a venture-led pre-seed round. I'm delighted to welcome Amy to Midori House. Amy, great to have you with us. Um, Great to have you in London. I know we'll be seeing more of you here as you'll be splitting time between London and, and Los Angeles. Two great cities, one great brand. Let's start in a different place than we normally do. i wanted to ask you about some of the problems that Better Brand is solving before we talk about the smart solutions. We're surrounded by high carb, low quality, poor value and not very sustainable food. At the risk of asking you an insurmountably large question, how how big is the problem that we all face as consumers? Oh, gosh. I mean, it's really a, a massive, very material problem. You know, if you want to just quantify something, the current economic impact of obesity is over $2 trillion annually, which is more than the global economic impact of armed violence and war. Obesity impacts over 2 billion people across the world. You know, 400 million people are currently living with diabetes. Nine out of 10 cases are preventable. And, you know, what's really, really staggering is the largest driver is refined carbs. So you see all this innovation that we've made in plant-based and and food innovation, but no one had put their stake in the ground and said, hey, we're going to be the beyond meat of carbs and and just really solve this giant epidemic um, that really affects so many people. And it's been a really, I think, rewarding journey. It is an epidemic. Those numbers are are staggering. And where did you get the confidence, Amy, to say, look, I'm going to pitch in here because you're battling a system that is biased because of, well, in the US, farm subsidies make it almost a conversation you can't even have. There's such laziness and unwillingness to innovate from government, from other stakeholders. How on earth do you say, hang on a minute, (laughs) I am going to try. It may just be little me initially, but what's that moment where you think? So I'm someone who's always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've known that my entire life. And even my earlier career, I kind of built up the foundation to be able to collect those experiences. So I knew that one day when I was ready to make that leap, I I would be be ready and well positioned. And I knew that anything that I worked on needed to be something that I was just extremely passionate about. And so just kind of taking a look back at my pain points, my largest pain point, you know, my entire life has always been around diet and healthy eating. 
you know, I'd always been on this cycle and roller coaster of craving something. I would wondering if I should eat it. If I did, I feel guilty. If I didn't, I feel deprived. And it consumed so much mind space and was such a point of anxiety. And I used to dream of this world where we could just eat what we wanted, right? And never had to worry about waking and negative health consequences. And that to me would have just been so exciting and so freeing. And then, you know, after that, I started looking at all these statistics that we just spoken about and all the dots kind of connected. And I was like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make this dream world real and, and a possibility. And I think, you know, that kind of energy and excitement has really fueled that journey and, and especially, you know, those difficult points that you kind of you mentioned. And it informs the, the the brand and its products, which we'll come to. I feel like we're building up towards the sort of reveal <laughs> so about suspense. the products. But I want to ask you about another problem then. So at that moment, you feel galvanized, you feel emboldened to do something. Mm -hmm. But then you reach your second of the big problems, which is this sort of staggeringly, offensively bad level of VC investment in female-led ah. businesses. It's shocking. I think it's under... 5% of Venkat money that goes to female-led businesses. Now, again, I don't know if you were particularly aware and mindful of that, but again, in those early steps on the journey, were you immediately confronted with this reality that it's unnecessarily and ridiculously more difficult for female entrepreneurs to actually get funding to get started? <laughs> so, you know, it's really interesting. And, and you know, I'm, I'm very well aware of all these statistics. I... I didn't go into the process, I think, thinking it was going to be difficult or, oh, I'm a female founder, so it's going to be a little bit more difficult. So I think maybe by proxy of that, I kind of just bulldozed through the process and kind of assumed it would all work out because it was this great idea with a massive potential for impact and and large market size. So I never really kind of positioned myself as a female founder. I never really thought of the process or expected the process to be different. And maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe, you know, I just got lucky. But the fundraising process was actually pretty smooth. And we ended up raising over a million dollars um, as a pre-seed just for the purposes of R&D to start. And I think that was what well, I found out after the fact that that was record-breaking for a sole female entrepreneur to do. But going through the process, honestly, like, did not feel differently, did not think about it in a different way. It was just like, okay, here's the problem. Here's what we need to do to be able to, to tackle it and move to the next milestone. And and we executed that. That is very encouraging. And we're, we're, glad, <laughs> we're glad to hear it. I think that is possibly atypical from some of the uh, the female founders I speak to on this program, certainly. Just a third program before then we, we start to talk about the, the, the business itself. What about sustainable food production? Because I guess this is one of the other corollary challenges, which is that with all of that demand and all of those attendant problems, which you spoke to so elegantly about at the beginning we're resource scarce and we are at a critical point in terms of climate crisis and all the rest how do you ensure that as you're making strategic decisions for the mm -hmm. business you're integrating those kinds of, of concerns because again i guess consumers now they don't just kind of ask if you do it they demand that you're yes. being active yes. on that front and I actually think that's a great thing. So, you know, when we were building Better Brand, yes, leading innovation, refined carbs, right, to create this, this world where you don't have to worry about waking negative health consequences. But also it was really important for us to build it on this, this premise of better and just better in every single regard and to where a consumer could truly just experience the product. And from that, 
just really inherit the sense of joy, right, and, and excitement. And we we were really kind of thorough in thinking about, okay, what does that mean to the consumer? So yes, the brand has to be exciting. Um, the product has to be delicious and craveable. The macros have to be there. But also, you know, you have to think about these elements of, of sustainability and being transparent and, and leaning into this all-natural clean label product, which we elected to do and check the box on. So, you know, making sure everything's non-GMO verified, um, everything's clean label, which is why we actually have entirely frozen supply chain, because we're not putting additives or preservatives in the food and really working with suppliers that kind of meet our, our threshold and, and really align with this mission. You explained there, better brand. It's because it's all about doing better, living yeah. better, eating better, exactly, being, being better. better mantra and lifestyle and feeling better. As and did, was that even the brand name, that idea, did that come to you in a, in a eureka moment? We often ask on this on this show about that. Or was it, did, <laughs> were, were you just like, actually, we need to stop trying to overcomplicate things. It's just better yeah, brand. That That's what it is. Really good question. I'm like, how did better brand, that name, come to be? It honestly probably started with the better brand bagel and maybe it's kind of like we're like okay better bagel better brand wait this could be this entire portfolio of brands where there are all these different components and I think it it really came together pretty organically but I mean at this point it's just become so foundational to to us and the company and the mission. A bit of magic a bit of serendipity (laughs) sometimes goes into these things well let's talk about some of the nuts and bolts then you have the proprietary technology this sort of game-changing, grain-changing tech. Tell us a bit just about the process, about what it does, about why it's so exciting. Yeah, the the technology really, I think you can think about as two separate components that work synergistically together. One is the formulation. So we've been able to really isolate certain protein isotopes and combine them synergistically with a wheat starch. And when combined, um, they together form or replicate the viscoelastic properties of regular wheat but without imparting all the sugars and and, the high carb content, which is driving just all sorts of negative ramifications across the board. And then so so that's definitely part of it is, is that formulation. And then the second part is the process. If you were to take this dough or, or mix and, and bring it to any manufacturer and, and told them, hey, make us bagels or make us buns with these, it would be a disaster, right? Because there are such tight controls around temperature variance and in terms of just the, the synergies, we have enzymes in the product that denature if, if it's sitting for too long. So it's quite a specific process and in combination of that formulation allows us to really produce these, these products that people have been really excited about. Well, they have indeed. Tell us a bit about, well, let's start with the bagel. Okay. Let's put the, su- the superstar <laughs> front and center. What's it like? How does it, it like? how does it marry up? <laughs> Imagine well because we, you know we're we're in a it's an audio medium Amy, so it's hard to convey paint the picture of that moment. I don't know whether it goes back to the first yeah. one that you tried and you were like, <laughs> my God, we've done it. Or what? I what's mean, that it was like? really freaking delicious. I think is you know the the first component there. But I guess to rewind a little bit, we started with the better bagel because it's the most carb heavy food. And what better way to showcase this innovation than by transforming a bagel into the net carb equivalent of two slices of banana. And I'm talking, you know, 
horizontal round small slices, like a bite of banana, while making it functionally good for you in every way with 26 grams of protein, right? Plant-based protein, again, kind of tying back to sustainability, no added sugar, non-GMO, clean label, high fiber, just very nutrient dense to create this experience where you can eat this traditionally very off-limits food and you can have it, you know, you can have three bagels in the morning if you want, right? And feel really great about it because it's not going to impart sugar into your bloodstream. It's it's not going to raise your carb content. It's going to make you full because of, of the protein content and the nutrient density. And you take the bite and you're like, how is this possible, <laughs> right? Like, it's so good. Like, how is this possible? Um, and I think that really ties back to, again, that mission of, yes, showing, I, I think, in practice that the impossible is possible. If we can transform a bagel into the carbocarbonate of two slices of banana, what can't we do? I love that. And, and tell me about then product line expansion. Uh, we'll maybe talk oh, a bit about boy. geographic expansion, but better rolls, better buns. There's, well, the limits seem almost almost <laughs> endless, but tell us a bit about, again, it's part of the discipline, actually, as the leader of a successful business, not to get too caught up and, and hit the hit the gas before you're, you're ready to do it. How, how do you go about managing that product rollout? Yes, I mean, we're really excited. And I think part of the button strategy is, is to just really take this window of time to capture you know, a very large market and to do it at once with across many product categories. And so so we're not being shy about, okay, we're going to roll out one SKU or this other SKU. And a part of it is also is to drive impact and excitement with the consumer. And so you want to give consumers choices and, and options and, and just being able to fit these products into to various different moments and experiences. So we are really going wide, far and wide with expansion, SKU expansion. And, you know, really it's going to be anything that you think of as carb heavy and there's guilt or stigma around it and you wish that you could eat limitlessly, we're going to be transforming it. So we started with the bagel. The next products that we're unveiling are the Better Bun series, the Better Roll series, and a Better Hawaiian Roll series, which is really exciting. And just to give you just an example of the innovation here. So the Hawaiian Rolls, so good, like literally, like... (laughs) I die. Um, So transforming a carb-heavy roll into the carb equivalent of one grape. So just think about that comparison and with eight grams of protein. So dinner table, you know, you could just, you can be eating and and being full and, and not having to worry about the consequences. The Better Bun series, you know, I think there's so many applications across different use cases and forms. And what we did there is we transformed a bun into the carb equivalent of two slices of apple. So it's four grams of net carbs, about 90% fewer than a traditional and with 20 grams of protein. And, you know, in the skews, you know, you have your brioche, you have your sesame, you have your pretzel buns, which, oh my gosh, again, like my dream. Um, But, you know, just imagine eating this incredibly delicious bun and, and knowing that you're having 20 grams of protein and, and you're not, there's just no guilt associated. Tell me a bit about feedback because obviously the products are in lots of stores uh, some big stores in whole foods and arrow lots of ones that monocles readers and listeners will be will be familiar with obviously you get feedback from customers i don't know if you do it by stealth standing in the store and watching people <laughs> talk about them or when people i don't know i guess they get in touch they reach out or they, yeah. they, they message you i mean that must be so incredible to hear positive 
messages tell us a bit about what what that means and, and what it's like when people it's contact everything you. it really has made this journey so so special you know i guess in terms of feedback yes so we we rolled out nationally in the u.s with whole foods they've been an incredible partner and we've just seen you know the numbers continue to to grow and we actually you know with these new SKUs that are coming on board they are going to be launched again nationwide across Whole Foods and thinking we're going to get to the point next year of, of being quite a material partner grossing maybe anywhere from 30 to 50 million for for Whole Foods right so it's just it's been exciting to see all that traction and, and the numbers and the growth and you know we we see a lot of that directly you know not by standing in the store I, I wish though like <laughs> I think that would be amazing but you know just seeing all of these tags and organic interactions on social media you know we have an Instagram handle it's at eat better and we just constantly see people kind of posting stories of better bagels and, and you know, we post them and there's just so much energy and excitement there and, and just quite the community and, and evangelists. Um, so that's been great. And we haven't spent a dollar on influencer marketing and it really has been organic. So I think that speaks to the consumer. And I mean, when was the last time you went to a store, took a photo of bagels and posted it on your own social media. So I, I really do think that that speaks to the special, I guess specialness, I don't know if that's a word, but of, of the brand. Well, and, a, and, an appetite, and an appetite, if you'll forgive the pun, an appetite for change. There People want to see progress yes. in some of these areas yes. where they're constantly told, well, there's nothing you can do about it. Yes. And it's like, not only can you do something, we've done it. And it's delicious. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great story. Yeah. Tell me a bit about disruption, because I was, as, as I said, surprised and impressed by your experience through fundraising rounds and so forth. This is quite a disruptive product. It's disruptive tech. It's a disruptive attitude. You know, F&B that can be a bit conservative. We talked about the power of the agriculture lobby and all the rest of it, certainly in the States. Have you had resistance? And are there people, there must be other stakeholders who are not happy about the facility with which you've entered the space. Tell me a bit about that. Being a disruptor, how challenging yes. that can be. I mean, I think it's exciting because I think that, it, especially in, in a space that's a little bit sleepy and slow, if you're moving a little bit differently, there's just a lot of spotlight and attention, I think, on your brand and what you're doing that really can be used to fuel a lot of energy and momentum. And I think that in the beginning, you know, you hear from all these people, even in the bakery world, right, these experts saying, no, it can't be done. Like, even if you can get a bench top, you can't commercialize it. And we we're just like, why? Why not? And I think that's just kind of this attitude or I, I guess way of thinking that we've really applied to the entire process is just, well, why not? Why can't it be done differently? And if there's a will, there's a way. And so interesting also because even in this process as, as an early founder, you are making hiring decisions and you're looking at, you know, all these people who have grown up at PepsiCo and have been early promoted and Nabisco and Frito-Lay and, you know, all these large CPG conglomerates. And you think like, wow, like they must be great. And then you start to, to work with them and, and you're like, wait, like, no, why, why can't, we go off cycle with a retailer like why why can't we launch nationally why do we have to wait for one region at a time you know and it's just kind of this like outdated way of thinking to where if you move past that it's like yeah no whole foods launches nationally let's, oh great you will do great do you, know? do you think some of these big players are, are too big and they're too cumbersome and we talk often at monaco about being a media brand that's big enough to be impactful, but small enough to be nimble, I guess, is a sort of cliche. But do you think there's a truth to that? Are some of these big players in this sort of CPG space, are they sort of weighted down by 
well, a little bit by history and expectation, but just because they're, you know, it's like turning a battleship or whatever. Yes, yes. One hun- a cruise ship. Is it a battleship or a cruise ship? But something a like big, that, yes. A big boat, basically. <laughs> so the answer is yes, and I'm going to give you a really clear example of the difference here. Traditionally, in a large CPG company, the innovation cycle is about 18 to 24 months for one SKU. And, and sometimes it's even like a different packaging configuration is, is going to take that long. We... <laughs> innovated and commercialized 16 SKUs in three months. So if you just think about that difference there and how quickly we're able to move, and especially with the technology, there's just no reason why we're not going to be able to beat them. And I guess that's how we know we're going to beat them. I can just imagine some various sort of products and innovation officers sort of, you know, choking on their cor- choking on their cornflakes. And I'm just thinking like, how 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 is it done? But you've demonstrated the ambition and then the facility to actually do it, which is incredible. Let's talk a little bit about geographies because we actually kicked off at the beginning, welcoming you to London, where you're going to be spending much more time. How exportable is this? Because obviously the US, the whole actually the the, the discourse around refined carbs and some of these advances is it in itself much more mature in that market? Consumers have different expectations, to a degree, not, not across the whole country. Is it a conversation that travels readily? And tell us a bit about the ideas of where next and where's most exciting. Yes, so it is a conversation that travels. And, you know, we had been speaking about our social media channels. We always get, hey, when are you coming to the UK? Can I get this in the UK? Do you ship to the UK? When are you coming to the UK? And the other day, actually, we just came across this Reddit channel I think of people talking about the better bagel in the UK and someone's like, well, I can't get it here. Can someone figure out how to make it? Like, how do we do that? So, so you know, we, we know that the market's ready and consumers are excited. And, you know, part of the reason why I'm here is to, to get things launched here in, in the UK. You know, we're really fortunate in that a lot of our retail partners are, are not just US-based. I think they have some footprint here as well. So that's where we're going to start. And I think it'll, it'll be a pretty exciting launch. What are you most excited about? You bring such sort of vigor, and I, I love your impatience with um, <laughs> timeframes and timelines and, and strategies. No, I think it's it's really encouraging, and I think it comes from a bit, quite a few of the people we speak to on this program talk about the power of a little bit of almost naivete by arriving in a new oh. sector and just saying, well, Why? I don't care, <laughs> so let's, let, or let's have the conversation. <laughs> what most excites you? Is it about continuing to bring that attitude to bear and seeing where this thing can go as you travel around the world the different conversations you have people you meet what what kind of gets you springing out of bed in the morning with with the with a real spring in your step i think a few things i think one is just knowing that we're driving this overarching impact that's really quite significant and and really improving people's lives for for the better and and in really tangible ways and then two you know i think a lot of this journey has been about just creating these authentic relationships, whether that's with suppliers or customers, right? And and just seeing people interact with a product in, in, just, in a really excited, almost magical way, in such a special, special way. You know, I think those things combined, you know, it's, this is the best job ever. That's a pretty good statement of, of, of progress made made to date. A question that I often ask again, uh, which I probably need to get some more original questions, but one I like to ask is, where do you think we'll be um, in whatever it might be, three years, five years, ten years? But I find it interesting, particularly in this space where there's so much fresh focus on how we produce food, how we consume it, how we invest in 
civic health and diet is so fundamental to that. If we again come back to the the, the scary figures that you shared at the, at the start, Amy, where do you think we'll be? Will we be? Is it is it wishful thinking to think even I don't know in five years we might not have to justify while we're using uh, products like Better Brands products because they'll be more like the the standard products because exactly. that kind of consideration will be is that, is that too soon to think are you no, working on a I longer mean, time I think horizon? three years this is a better world <laughs> I, see, I see what you've done there. It's very um, but you know I, I think what we want to do is this idea of diet and restriction we really want to make it a thing of the past our dream or goal is to just make this a world where yes we can grab these products that we want to eat and we can eat them when we want to eat them and we can feel good about eating them and that thought of guilt is just never even on our mind it's a, an excellent goal uh, amazing progress on the journey so far amy yang thanks for coming to talk to us about it and will you come back and in again and see us once you've got your Always. sort of roots down here in london tell Always. us more maybe bring some bagels <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Amy, we'll look Deal. forward to we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for coming to chat to us. Thank you so much for having me. That was Amy Yang, the founder and CEO of Better Brand. You can learn more about the project at eatbetter.com. That's it for this episode of The Entrepreneurs. We'll be back at the same time next week. Do look out in the meantime for Eureka. That's coming your way on Friday. The programme was produced by Laura Kramer with mixing and editing by Tamsin Howard. You can listen again and find out more about the show at monocle.com. That's where you can also subscribe to Monocle magazine and enjoy more about better businesses every month. You can follow us and catch up with the archive of past shows via your preferred podcast platform. To get in touch, write to Laura. She's on lrk at monocle.com. I'm Tom Edwards. Goodbye and thanks for listening to The Entrepreneurs.